In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start today by sharing this uh, picture with you, this painting. Uh, I, I liked it. I found it this week because I think it really just kind of captures our reading for today from Genesis chapter 2 in a, a fun and a neat way, uh, showing the beauty and the perfection of the Garden of Eden. So I'm just going to leave this here for us to dwell on as we take a look at that garden today. Uh, and that garden and the, the story we read about in Genesis chapter 2, I, I like to think of it as one of the most pristine passages in all of the Bible. Uh, our reading for today, that story of the garden, it's kind of like that first snow of the year in late November, early December, the one we're a little excited about before the plows have come and the footsteps have disturbed that pristine layer of white and snow. It's, it's a beautiful picture, what we read about. Uh, a world, a garden where there is no hurt, no pain, no sickness, no suffering, no shame, no death, no sin at all. There's just Adam and Eve living together in unity and harmony, walking with God and talking with God, where, where their creator is the, the center of everything they do. Beautiful picture of Adam and Eve living in this 24-7 communion with God. I can't help but read this story, and I, I think it's partly the point, but think to myself, wow, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I, I think this story, Genesis 2, is meant to stir in, up a, stir in us a, a holy longing, a craving to get back to that garden, right? To, to make God the center, to live in that 24-7 communion with him. And, and I think many of us do. We long for that, don't we? we? We all crave more God in our lives. I think that's why... Many of us are here today because we want more God. We want him to be in the middle. We want that 24-7 kind of relationship with him, but we all know it's hard. <laughs> Even for a pastor like me, where it's my job to work in a church and be with God's people a whole lot of the time, it's still hard to live out that 24-7 kind of faith. I, I think the truth is for all of us, myself included, what, what happens for many of us is that God gets relegated to certain times and places of our lives. We, we push him sometimes away from the center and off into the, the corners of our lives. Like for example, uh, for many of us, this is our time of worship here in this building. It's not that we can't worship God anywhere else or that we shouldn't worship him. We, we should other times and places, but for most of us, this, this is the time that we have and this is the place where it happens. Uh, or, or for example, we, we know that God says through the Apostle Paul that we, we can pray without ceasing. God invites us to talk to him every moment of the day, anywhere we go. And yet for a lot of us, it's, it's a, a challenge just to remember to say a few lines of grace before a meal or to try to get out a few moments of prayer before we drift off to sleep at night. For most of us, we, we crave, we long to hear from God more. We, we want to, to dwell in his word as we are encouraged to do, but it's a struggle a lot of days to do a 10-minute devotion or to remember to turn on the Christian radio station in the car. We, we crave more God. We want him to be in the middle. We would love to have a, a Garden of Eden type of relationship, a 24-7 eternal communion with God, but we've relegated him to certain times and certain places. We pushed him away from the center and out into the corners. Now, uh, before we romanticize, I think, this picture of the Garden of Eden and what Adam and Eve had there with God and the harmony and unity that they shared with him. Before we romanticize that too much, let's remember how long that lasted. <laughs> Not long at all, right? It wasn't long 
at all before Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, before that relationship was broken, before they, like us, pushed God into the corners, relegated him to certain times and certain places. It wasn't long before that 24-7 communion with him became much more of a chore than anything else. One day, Adam and Eve, like us, would learn to loathe the sound of the alarm clock going up going off in the morning, encouraging them to get to work, get back to the garden. Adam and Eve would experience what we experience. And there are two main culprits for that, I think, two main reasons why that was lost, why that 24-7 communion is hard to find today. And it's true for Adam and Eve in the story, and I think it's also true for us. The, The culprits so often are selfishness and shame. Right? Wasn't it selfishness that that pushed Adam and Eve out of the garden and away from their Savior as they selfishly would go on to do that one thing that God told them not to do, eat that one fruit he commanded them not to eat. It was selfishness that caused them to scratch their own back and and satisfy their own desire. And it it was that selfishness that was a wall that that built up a division between them and their creator. It moved God out of the center and into the corners. And then, of course, it was shame. Shame. Shame that flowed from that sin and that selfishness. Shame that, that caused them to look at themselves after they realized what they had done and, and to think that now they looked awfully dirty. It was shame and, and guilt that caused them not to run to their creator, the one who loved them, but away from him. It was shame that caused them to jump behind the bush and, and fashion some clothes, put on a facade. It was shame that told them that they, they couldn't be loved, that they were unworthy, unacceptable, not good enough, never be welcomed back into God's presence. Selfishness and shame. Don't you find that to be true are are the culprits that push us away from God, that remove him from the center, the the way we've been selfish with our time, with our money, with our love, towards our our neighbor. And then it's the shame that comes, the guilt, that that lying voice in us uh, that tells us that we're not good enough, that that we have to hide who we are, that we have to put up the facades or, or build up the walls. Selfishness and shame. That's what takes us out of the garden and pushes us away from God, puts him in the corner. And, and yet I, I think that the, the, the reading for today and this picture of the Garden of Eden is, is forcing us to, to ask ourselves, how do we get back there? <laughs> right? Or is it even possible to get back there? And I don't mean literally in, in that garden, but how do we get back to that relationship? I think we're supposed to be wondering that. Like, how can I have what they had? Is there any way to restore that which was broken? Is there any way to bring down those walls to bring God back to the middle where he's been all along? Uh, the answer to that question, of course, is yes. And the how we get there is easy. It's the Sunday school answer we all know. The answer is Jesus, of course. Jesus is the one who came to, to bring us back to the garden, to, to restore that 24-7 kind of relationship. It's Jesus who, by his perfect life and sacrificial death and glorious resurrection from the, the grave, gave us everything we need, right? It is in Jesus that we have an acceptance that will not be shaken, that we have an identity which is secure. It is in Jesus that we have a place in his eternal family that's not going anywhere. Jesus has provided for us everything we could ever imagine, which means we have been freed from our prisons of selfishness. We don't need to work and worry about ourselves anymore because Christ has given us everything we need. Christ also came to take away that shame, the one that caused Adam and Eve and us to hide and put up the facades, jump behind bushes. It's Jesus that came through his death to forgive us our sin, to wipe the slate clean, 
to take away that shame. It's Jesus who came so that we could have that kind of 24-7 faith again, so that we could walk with God 24-7 and talk with him 24-7. It's Jesus who came so that we could listen to him and his word and and all of his promises of love to us 24-7. It's Jesus that came to to infuse our work with holy purpose and and significance. And we could do that 24-7 no matter where we are. It's Jesus who came so that we could rest in him 24-7, putting himself back in the middle. It's Jesus who came to give us a 24-7-365 all the way into eternity life with him. When I, uh, when I was in the seminary studying to be a pastor, there were, generally speaking, two groups of students. I, I don't know that I fit into either one. I guess that's the rebel in me. But, but generally speaking, there were two groups of students. There were the students at seminary studying to be pastors who uh, came to the seminary straight from college. They went to high school, undergrad, and then just continued along the way to seminary. Uh, that was one group. The other group were, were the students who were coming to this, the seminary as second, third, fourth, fifth career pastors. Uh, they had left jobs as lawyers or business people or farmers or, or whatever, mechanics, to, to come to the seminary. And while I was at the seminary, I was always amazed by that second group. I always deeply respected them, that they were willing to leave behind places and people they loved, sometimes families, uh, sometimes even very comfortable or lucrative careers. They just gave that all up and walked away from it to follow God's call to work in the church. And and that amazed me. I was deeply respectful of that. I I think of a couple guys in particular. There was one who was a successful lawyer, had his own law practice, and he sold that, left it, and and gave it all up to become a pastor. There was another one, uh, another man who, who had businesses all across the country, and he sold that, gave it to his partner, walked away, uh, now working in a church somewhere. And I, I was amazed by that, by that commitment and that faithfulness. But, but you know, I'm, I'm just as amazed today and, and maybe even just as respectful, if not more, uh, about the, uh, over the, the men and the women who stay in their offices and their businesses and their law practices and their farm fields and their auto body shops, the, the ones who continue to, to, to work in, in the callings they have been placed in because they recognize that they can do the Lord's work 24-7, that they don't need, don't need to be in a church to do that. I'm deeply respectful of so many of you who, who know and, and believe that wherever you go, not just here in this place, that, that you are with the Lord. See, that's the gift of Jesus, that wherever we go, whatever we do, is in his presence and for his glory. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, writing several thousand years after this picture of the Garden of Eden. He picks up on this. Uh, The Apostle Paul knew that he was with the Lord and doing the Lord's work just as much when he was preaching sermons in synagogues and writing letters to churches as he was when he was doing his full-time gig, his nine-to-five of building tents. He knew that wherever he was, he was and whatever he was doing was for the glory of the Lord. And, and that's why Paul, in the book of Acts, as he's talking to a group of non-Christians, or I should say not yet Christians, he says this. He says that in Christ we live and move and have our being. And I love that, that, that in Jesus we have that 24-7 faith, that, that 24-7 communion with God that was lost there in the garden. A- another translation from that passage in Acts puts it like this, and I like this. It's a little loose, but, but I think it's fitting. It says that in Christ we work and play and rest. 
And isn't that true? That's what Jesus came to do so that we might work for him and rest in him and that all that we do, whether it's playing or working, is in the Lord. Jesus came to put himself back at the center of our lives where he's really been all along to give us a 24-7, 365 faith from here all the way into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.